0: totally normal. (laughs) But if I am willing, if I am willing to make room in my busy life to be interrupted in the midst of any season, live a humble and faithful life, God can use me. He can work through even me. And he does. He invites us to be part of his plan, part of the great redeeming story of humanity to God. So a few weeks ago, we began by exploring the life of Mary. And not what happened to her after the angels appeared, but leading up to that moment, how she lived her life. Before the angel had visited her, before uh, she had miraculously become pregnant, before she'd packed her bags to head to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, before all the noteworthy things that had happened in her life, we found that Mary had lived a life of humility. And one with a contrite heart that she was repentant of the things wrong in her life. She lived with humility, which was not to put yourself always in a lower position, but to recognize that you have great value and worth because God made you. God formed you in your mother's womb. He set things in motion for your life. So in humility, we now live with great confidence that we are valued children of God, but with the full awareness of our humanity and the role that we play in this great story. Mary lived with humility and a contrite heart, lived repentant. And then two weeks ago, my Sarah, she shared a story, uh, she shared about Joseph, an often overlooked character in this Christmas story, but who was both faithful and good. And when God chose Mary to carry the son of God, no pressure Mary, when, she cho- when God chose Mary, he wasn't all of a sudden like, huh! There's Joseph. He wasn't surprised that Joseph was going to be part of this story. He, when he chose Mary, he also chose Joseph to be his earthly father, to raise and train Jesus Emmanuel. But early on in this story, we found Joseph with a, a little bit of a dilemma. Because having just been told that Mary was pregnant and that it obviously was not his, out of love for Mary and deep respect for her family, he had in mind too separate. And that was the good thing to do. It was the right thing to do. But Joseph, understanding what was the godly thing to do, stood in the gap of what would be popular and right with people, instead choosing to accept their judgment and sideways glances of people and choose what God had planned. He chose what was godly and not just good. And then last week, we took a small break. And if you managed to join us, we took a small break for our annual Christmas production, which was an annual one that we haven't done for four years. So, uh, But <laughs> there was a few interruptions the last couple of years. But just to pause for a moment and say thank you to everyone who came and who was part of it, who served and who sang and who performed and who invited people. I think there was about 1,500 people came, walked through those doors to hear the gospel perform in not just an entertaining way, but in a way that they can access the good news. And so many pathway books were taken home. And this week we come to another character that I want to explore this Christmas season. The innkeeper. You know the man. The one who Mary and Joseph, when they arrive in Bethlehem, with nowhere to stay and they've gone round door to door to door to door to door, knocking on all these motels and hotels, only for one keeper to eventually find a stable for Mary who was about to give birth. You know this famous innkeeper. Well, let's read about him in Luke 2, chapters, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while his name was governor of Syria. Ha ha ha, like you know how to pronounce that. And everyone who went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Did you notice him? The innkeeper. After reading that passage, what things do we know about this famous, well known innkeeper? Uh, very little, if anything. Uh, did he exist? because it was actually quite likely that as Joseph and Mary went back to their hometown, even if it had been a long time since they were from that place, they likely had distant relatives or friends of family, and it was actually quite likely that they were staying with friends or friends of family. This is where Joseph's line was from, the line of David, because he belonged to that house, so was in that genealogy. So it would have made sense that when you travel back to your hometown, to the place where your family is from, knowing that there's a census taking place, that the place is going to be overrun with people, you'd probably call some family or friends to stay with. And so it's quite likely that they'd arrange to stay with family because, you know, friends and family, they just they make room for you. They find room. They'd find you a place to stay in a bed or a patch of dirt or a stable Cause have you ever been to visit friends or family over Christmas season and there's not really been the ideal place for you to stay? No? That was just my family. We had a, a fairly large family and I remember so many trips going away. And one trip we'd gone to visit some friends and I think three of us ended up in a double bed. We were much smaller back then, top and tailing, as you do. And then another time, every time we went to visit my grandparents, at least the four of us Uh, boys, and often a few extras, ended up in their garage on stretchers, just kind of, you, because you just make room. There's people coming, so you just, you find a place for them to stay. I had a friend who was going down to Queenstown, and they had nowhere to stay. Her and her friend were traveling, and we've got lots of friends and family down there, and so we said, oh, well, we'll arrange a place for you to stay. But in the middle of the night, her friend uh, snored quite a lot, and she ended up on the carpeted bathroom floor I'm like, that's desperate for sleep. (laughs) But we've all been there, haven't we? We've slept on the floor, on stretchers, in the garage. Maybe not in the bathroom, but wherever there was room because we needed a place to stay. And I picture this a little bit like Mary and Joseph came across as they arrived in Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time for the baby to be born, the the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. In those times, the stable wasn't necessarily a room right around the back of the house, out the back in a little tiny shed like we see in so many nativities. It was quite likely the ground floor of the house. You see, the animals were such a highly valuable and prized possessions of family, not often the source of just income, but often their main source of transportation. And so you don't kind of park your car all the way around the block, around at someone else's place, You park it up your your driveway or in your garage. And so often the first level of the house would be the stable where the animals would be, and then you'd go up into the first floor or up into the second floor where the living quarters might be. Or perhaps maybe it is like so many of us have come to know that there was no room with family or friends and Mary and Joseph did wander around looking for a motel or hotel to stay at. Perhaps as it was, some people believe that he was born in a cave where the animals were kept and sheltered. The Bible doesn't exactly specify. But it does say that the owner of this house didn't have room in his guest room and so found room in a stable. All it says is that there was no guest room available. An extra room, a place to stay comfortably. I know that even at Christmas, we're going to visit family on the farm this Christmas, and there are several friends coming to visit, and there's not enough room in our parents' giant old homestead, so they're out on the lawn in tents. It's not the cow across the paddock, but you never know how many people turn up. What I love about the owner of this house, even though his house is full, he finds room for this young family, makes room even in the stable, I'm sure if they had gone from house to house or inn or motel to motel or wherever else, I'm sure they probably would have had room in their stable. There probably would have been another manger that he could have stayed in. But maybe many had turned them away or not even considered it as an option because there was simply no guest room. Somewhere that they had pre-prepared, made the bed and made it look nice and smelled nice and put a fancy candle in there and whatever else, put a chocolate on the pillow, they'd Made this really nice room, but there was none of those left. And God, the only place I've got left is somewhere messy. No one would want to stay there. But there was room in the stable, in the lower part of the house, where we could, we could probably make one of those animal feeding troughs into quite a good wee bed for our baby Jesus. Yes, he'd fit quite nicely in a little manger. So what do we learn about the response of the owner of this house? Are we prepared to make room for our saviour? Hospitality was such an important part of the culture. To turn someone away would have been so rude. So even though there was no nice guest room available, no room that was specifically designed to house guests when they come, with clean floor, soft beds, pretty lamps on the solid bedside tables, Even though there was no prepared room available, the owner was still willing to invite Jesus, invite Mary and Joseph into the mess of his stable. Sometimes I wonder if as we go into Christmas, we can get so aware of the holy nature of God, the perfectness of God. And it's a good thing to remember, Oh, Holy One, God who is perfect in nature, that we can discount our lives from the places that he would want to be part of. Our lives are too messy, too much sin, too many poor thoughts, not a strong enough prayer life, not enough time in the word. Our lives are so messy. I've only got a stable that I could really invite him into. I've not had chance yet to prepare my heart. I've not really had a chance to clean out all the sin. I've not had a chance to move all all the stuff out the way. I've only got this... My life's a mess. He couldn't stay with me. And so we turn him away. Find somewhere else to stay. I've only got a stable of a life. But Jesus came, Emmanuel, God, with us. It's God with us. God is with us. Not God out the back Behind the shed where others won't really notice Him, and he won't see the mess of my life, it is God walking with me, God living in me. We can read it all throughout Scripture, God reading walking with us. Leviticus 26 says this, "I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people." Colossians 2: therefore, as you receive Christ as the Lord, Christ, Jesus as the Lord, so walk in Him. Galatians 5, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And John 8, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's this invitation, walk with me. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Walk with God. Despite what our lives are look like, despite the rooms that we might have had a chance to clean out or not, invite him to be part of us. God with us, walking with us. When we walk with him, we will not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. Whatever the state of our lives this Christmas season, invite him to walk with you. You know, as we consider this Christmas story again this year, you may not be walking with God. Maybe there have been times where you have turned Him away, deciding that the mess of your life isn't worthy of Jesus. Or perhaps you look like you are walking with God. You might be doing all the right and good things. But are you walking with God, following His leading? Responding to his call. Jesus came that we might have life, life in all of its fullness. Jesus came as a baby. That we that we that's what we celebrate here at Christmas. He was raised as a human boy with a mum and a dad, a real person. I love that he was even a little bit rebellious in his. Teenage, and as he entered his teenage years, his parents didn't always know where he was. Sound familiar to some parents? I don't know where. It happened with Jesus as well. But Jesus lived a perfect life, one free from sin. That's the stuff that separates us from the holiness of God. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is, the cost of sin is death. That's Romans six twenty three. But as the prophecy had foretold, humanity crucified him. And having done nothing wrong, he took all our mistakes, thoughts and behaviors, all the punishment that we deserved on himself, and he died. That is the work of mercy. Then Jesus, this is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday, walked right back out of the tomb that people had laid him in. He rose, came alive, demonstrating that even the power of the grave had no hold on him. That he is the name above all. And he invites us into relationship with him, redeemed by what he did on the cross. A relationship. That is the work of grace. That which we do not deserve. And then he promised the Holy Spirit. That's the restoring work of God. And if, you're ever, if you've never invited Jesus to be Lord of your life and to accept his free invitation of salvation, I encourage you to consider doing that. If you'd like to do that, or maybe you've once prayed in response to the gospel message, but you know you've walked far from God, and you want to get your life back in line with the will of God, align again with his plans and purposes, Then the Bible tells us to simply confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved, the Bible says. We can invite him into the mess of our lives, into the part of the house that we would never perhaps invite other people to see. That stable where we'd never consider hosting a family meal perhaps but it was the place that our Saviour was born. He is perfect God, Emmanuel. But the state of our lives doesn't matter to him. He says, I came and died on the cross and rose again that you might have life. And then the work of the Holy Spirit begins to redeem and restore us. But this morning, if you want to respond to that, I'd love to just pray for a minute. Maybe you can want to pray that in your heart as well. Open your heart again to the invitation of Jesus coming and being Lord of your life, taking your sin, your mistakes upon himself that he might have, that you might have life and relationship with God. God, we are so grateful that you went to the cross for us. That we don't have to get our lives in perfect order before we invite you to be a part of our lives. By the work of your Holy Spirit, you will begin the work of restoration, of redeeming. That Lord, when you went to the cross, you took all our sin, all our mistakes. We repent of our sin, of our mistakes, of our behaviors that are not of you, and we turn away from them. Say, Lord, thank you that you took them on the cross. And that you rose again, totally victorious, with all authority. We choose to put you as Lord of our lives, at the center of our lives. We choose to follow you again this morning. What I love about God, he doesn't require a certain place or a position to talk with God or accept salvation. Any time, any place, simply call out to Jesus. As we come to this time of year, when often the house is full, the day has finally come, the family is gathered, the wrapping paper is everywhere. Will you make room? Find room in your house for Jesus? Will you make room for the coming king in a busy time when, his, when the house is full? Will you invite Jesus to the well-presented guest room where I've already done all the work and it looks perfect? Or will you invite Jesus into your heart where there's perhaps still muck and dirt and the mess of our lives? Jesus is willing, simply asking if you have room for him. He doesn't mind the mess. In fact, in his grace, in his perfect nature, he'll help you clean it up. He'll make what feels like an impossible clean-up process part of the journey of a life with him. I love that when Jesus later departed earth, he said, I am going so that I might send you a helper, the person of the Holy Spirit who walks with us daily, prompts us, leads us, and invites us. This house was our lives. Where are you inviting Jesus and making room for him? Would you stand with me if you're able this morning as the band comes? It's so easy sometimes to just discount parts of our life. We'll just keep Jesus on the upper levels of our house. Because downstairs is where no one wants to go down there. But Jesus is willing. Jesus is inviting us to give him access. And all we have to simply do is say, Lord, we give you access. He doesn't force himself on us, doesn't say, I'm going to this part of your heart, watch out only with our willingness. As we say, we open our hearts to you. Lord, come and have your way in us. So as we worship, as we sing, I invite you to do that. Simply invite Jesus into the whole of your life. The good, the bad, the ugly. And then tomorrow as we celebrate Christmas, wherever you are doing that, when you notice the gift wrapping everywhere, when you notice the pile of dishes in the kitchen that's gonna take hours to clean, when you notice the mess that's the little kids have made crumbs all through the living room, whenever, wherever you are, when you notice the mess, go, our Lord, our Jesus, he was born in a stable. Invite him to be part of it. All aspects of our life, because he is so gracious, He is so kind and He is so worthy. He is the name above all names. He is God, Emmanuel, God with us. So Lord, we just are so grateful. So grateful that you sent your Son. So grateful that we can come freely before you no rituals no certain places or positions or but lord wherever we are you are there whenever we call out to you you hear us lord go with these people today be with them tomorrow Be with them over the coming weeks and months. Continue to stir our hearts that we don't just become complacent, we don't just become satisfied with what we've currently got, with how parts of our lives look, but we invite You to the heart of our hearts, to the mess of our lives, to the good, the bad, and the ugly. We invite You to come and begin Your restoring work, to continue the restoring work, to make us more like Your Son, Jesus, And Lord, as we consider Mary as one you entrusted with Jesus, we recognize that you have also entrusted us with Jesus and the message of the gospel. So Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage that we might go and we might speak of Jesus. That we would talk with people about the hope of this season the hope of salvation Lord we might point people to you friends or family or strangers Lord we would be great carriers of the good news great carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and as we sing as we worship Lord we give you access to our lives in Jesus name Amen.